Our reading this morning is from Genesis 25, verses 19 through 34. And it says, These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Armenian, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger, and the other, the older, shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name is called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. This is the word of the Lord. This is the second week that we've been on this particular focus of parenting, looking at Isaac and Rebecca. There is tremendous grace for believers who are parents. I, I, I think that was what we ended with last week. We saw how much parents need the grace of God because parenting is tough. And there are no perfect parents. Everybody needs God's grace. Can I hear an amen on that? Well, we see an example here in Scripture where God, through Isaac and Rebekah, provided great grace. And let me tell you, they really needed it. The grace of God is so rich, 
The grace of God is so deep that it can overwhelm and overrule even our worst mistakes. Before Jacob and Esau were even born, God revealed that the way things worked within this family would be unique. While the cultural norms of the day said the younger son should serve the older, God said the older will serve the younger. Before they were born, God made that clear to Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah knew God had chosen Jacob to continue the line of God's promise that had begun with Abraham, continued through Isaac, and would culminate in the birth of the Messiah. But in spite of this knowledge, they did not train Jacob for his role or teach him to wait on God's perfect timing. They didn't tell their sons that God had different plans for each of them plans that should seek that they should seek and obey and rejoice in so let's take a look further look into the lives of these boys and last week we looked at at the first two observations from Isaac and Rebecca that is healthy families bring their problems to God secondly healthy families don't play favorites today we're going to finish this out there's three other observations from the life of, of Isaac and Rebekah. Healthy families don't put self-satisfaction ahead of honoring the Lord. Healthy families want truth more than peacekeeping. And healthy families never do wrong to do right. But let's first review quickly the two observations from last week for those who were not here. And just as a reminder for those who were. Number one, healthy families bring their problems to God. Genesis chapter 25, look at verse 20 with me, if you will. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean. And, and listen, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Healthy families bring their problems before the Lord. Uh, men, you're called to be spiritual fathers in your home, but I'm going to tell you, because I've been a spiritual father with my kids living in the home. They're all grown now, but I'm still a spiritual father. And the reality is, life can be difficult at times. And as a spiritual father, you can be weighed down with the issues that you're facing, both at the workplace and in the home. And, and it can really be overwhelming. And you've been taught, just pull up the bootstraps. Come on, man, get with it. It's on you. Take care of it. And you never tell your kids what you're really feeling and what you're going through. You don't even you hold back uh, much of it from your wife. That is not biblical. And, and when there's a problem in the home, you bring that before God. And when there's problems at work, you bring it before the Lord. And sometimes it's very healthy to let your family join you in that prayer before the Lord. Because now you're teaching your kids what it looks like when a spiritual father, a spiritual man of God over his home walks as that in that role before God. He prays to God about the things that the family's facing. Your kids need to see that. They need to see it. And so here, verse 21, and the Lord granted his prayer, Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, if you only read verses 20 and 21, you'd surmise that Isaac prayed and immediately she became pregnant and she had twins in her womb. Uh, that's not the, to the whole picture. That's not the whole picture. Uh, God's timing is different 
than our timing. And it would be nice if they prayed and immediately got what they wanted. And sometimes some of you think that's the way it ought to be. It's not the way it ought to be. The way it ought to be is that God gets things the way he wants. Amen? And so Romans chapter 8 verse, 29, verse 28 and 29 says, And we know that for those who love God, listen now, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's a very popular verse, and everybody quotes it, often quoting it for the wrong reasons. Verse 29, because 28 doesn't work without 29. Here's why. Here's why things work out for good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The reason all things work out for good for believers is because God is going to use in his time, in his way, the problems, the issues, the people issues in our lives to draw us towards Jesus, to strengthen our faith, to conform us to the image of Christ. The reason God doesn't work in our timing but in his is because he's trying to grow you and me. And he's got to work in front of him. And some of us are just hard-headed. And if we were left to our own devices, we'd do this all day. Hitting our head against a brick wall. And God's like, well, you're not ready for the thing you're asking for. That's a possibility. That's why you're not getting it right now. It's very possible because you're resisting the Lord. And God's saying, I'm trying to teach you how to trust me, how to wait upon me. That's the hardest thing for a Christian to do. Not to pray, to trust and to wait. And the Bible is filled, almost every story in the Bible, very few stories do you get what you want from God instantaneously. Most of the time, he has you wait before you get the answer. So here's the deal. Isaac and Rebecca, Isaac and Rebecca prayed for, to, that she would be able to conceive because she was barren. And guess what happened? God answered. He was how old when they were praying? Nope, 20 when he first married her and they wanted to have kids. That's all found in verse 20. He was, huh? I'm sorry, 40. He was 60 when they had a child. 20 years went by. So the next time you think, man, I wish I could get what I want like the Bible did, uh, think again. It didn't happen any quicker then than it does now. Amen. God's working. Number two, healthy families don't play favorites. Verse 24, when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. They called his name Harry. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob, means heel catcher. The derivative of that heel catcher is manipulator. Interesting. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. It's interesting how from the same parents, the children can be so different. Have you found that to be true? You wonder, where did that one come from? 
Because he's not like me and he's not like you. He's got his own way. That, that's God's design. They're all unique, every one of them. And here's a major problem with Isaac and Rebecca, and it's a problem with many Christian parents today. Isaac loved Esau, verse 28, because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. They played favorites. They both went after the child that was most like the things they wanted. That's dysfunctional, church. We're not to play favorites with our children. Now, the differences between the two sons manifested itself in several ways, in several areas of their life. Let me give those to you. First, as pro, uh, progenitors, as progenitors, Esau of Edom, Jacob of Israel. Secondly, in disposition, Esau, a rugged, headstrong hunter, preferring the outdoors. Jacob, a very plain, um, amicable man, preferring the comforts of home. Thirdly, in parental favoritism, Esau by his father, Jacob by his mother. These were the ingredients for conflict and heartache. Isaac loved the tough-skinned, hairy-chested hunter's son, while Rebecca loved the tender-hearted son who enjoyed a good conversation with a cup of coffee. And, and, and they both got what they wanted. Again, the problem isn't that the children are different. The problem comes when we prefer one over the other. We can't treat our children as personal possessions. They are gifts from God, every one of them. And the one that's most like you, that you in your flesh have a tendency to kind of be drawn to, you got to hold that back. you got to check that at the door because all of your children are a gift of God to you. They all need love the same. Amen? This is where we need God's grace. We really need God's grace. See, it's by grace that we love our children the same, only by the grace of God. If it was left up to my flesh, I'm sure there's moments where I wouldn't. I love what, Ad remember Adrian Rogers, that great Southern Baptist preacher? Uh, he passed away many years ago. But Adrian Rogers was once asked, so which of your, he had a lot of grandkids, which of your grandchildren do you love the most? Here was his answer, the one I'm holding. <laughs> Amen. I love that. Amen. All right, so let's get to the new stuff. Number three, not only do healthy families not play favorites, healthy families don't put self-satisfaction ahead of honoring God. Healthy families don't put self-satisfaction ahead of honoring God. Verse 29, look with me. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And that was the people group that would, he would be the, the, the father of that nation of people. A people who wanted things in the moment the way they wanted it. They were not willing to wait and honor God. They were just like him, the people that would follow after him. So now the children who have grown into teenagers are showing the same traits as their parents. Mom favored the one, dad favored the other. Personal preferences, self-satisfaction. And now the boy wants self-satisfaction more than anything God wants. Isaac, the father, was probably very spoiled by his father. Who was his father? Abraham. 
Abraham had Isaac when he was an old man. So probably he treated him like a grandchild. That boy was spoiled. And Isaac is doing even worse than his own father. See the downgrade? How when we don't uphold the law of God, the precepts of God, the love of God, the grace of God before our kids, how easy it is to go further and further away from God and into sin. So, verse 30, And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? What is he saying? I'm all about the now, baby. Temporal feelings. I just want to meet the temporal feeling I have in the moment. I'm not thinking ahead. I don't care about that. Isn't that our world today? The culture today? I just read an article last night that hospitals are, are saying now, they're actually coming out against the media, and they're saying our hospitals are being filled by teenagers who were told you ought to have a sex conversion surgery. And now they are a mess mentally, emotionally, and physically. Hospitals are filling up with kids who had no business changing what God created them to be. But parents and the medical community and everybody else was celebrating it. And that many are still celebrating it. You see what happens when we only go after the temporal, what we feel in the moment? What 13-year-old kid, what 17, 18, 20-year-old person has it all figured out yet? You don't want to make major decisions when you're in a place of transition. So sell me your birthright now. Hey, if you want the stew, sell me your birthright. In that day, the birthright was everything. The birthright was a position of rank and privilege within the family. When the father died, the firstborn got the inheritance in many cases. At least the firstborn got a double portion of the inheritance. All the other kids got just their own little portion. He got a double portion. Okay? And Esau saying, I don't care about that because I'm hungry. So for Esau to say, I don't need the birthright, just give me the meal, that reveals what's really in his heart. He cared more about feeding his flesh a temporal meal than honoring God's order of the family birthright. Jacob, in verse 33, he says, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Can you believe this guy? Talk about a compulsive person. He takes the cake, man. Verse 34, then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau, this, look at how the scripture records this. He despised his birthright. He despised God's order. Okay? The things that have true, lasting meaning, he despised. The immediate is what he loved. Birthright, schmirthright, give me a meal. The book of Hebrews gives us further insight into this particular part of the story. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 12, 15. 
See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Here it is, verse 16. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Healthy families recognize that bringing dishonor to God for the sake of a temporal satisfaction always comes with a consequence. So what is more important as a parent? Your child getting good grades in school or your concern for their constant spiritual growth and development? What's more important to the parent? Success in sports for your kid or culti cultivating a love for God and his word in your child? Learning to trust his or her instincts or learning to trust God through his word? Let me just say this to the parents in the room. You are cultivating one or the other. How you live, how you behave, is a learning lesson for your child. As parents, what do you care about the most? What you watch on TV or what they watch on TV? Being on time for school or being on time for church, for youth ministry, for children's ministry? Which of those are you teaching your child right now? What's more important as a parent, that you eat healthy meals for a healthy body or that you cultivate in your child a love for God so that one day they will surrender to God's calling and be saved? And I don't think it's a matter of giving up the other thing. It's a matter of not letting the other thing distract us from God's thing. What gets the focus and energy in your home? Living for the world or living for God? What is your home like? What are your kids learning from you? I'm, I want to tell you right now, being a parent is tough. There's nothing, I like, like long hair. I got to keep pushing this microphone behind me. It's, I don't have long hair, and I'm not trying to imitate a woman here. I just can't get this thing to stay behind me. Um, it's tough being a parent. You need the grace of God. You need to pray. Without God's help, you won't be able to do it. You'll end up on the wrong side of this stuff. Let me go to another one. Number four, healthy families put tr truth ahead of peacekeeping. They put truth ahead of peacekeeping. Look at verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemith, what a name, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. He didn't just take a wife, he took two wives. And neither of them were the choice that God would, would have for him. He went after Hittites. He went after pagans. 
Get the picture. God creates a new nation through Abraham. He brings him through a thousand-mile journey to a land which he will give him for generations to come. Yet by the time his grandson Esau comes on the scene, he's already dishonoring and disobeying God by having relations with pagan women who worship other gods and could care less about following the one true and living God. Abraham went to great length to get a wife for his son Isaac. Isaac didn't care who his son married. In one generation, a father who did what was right and sent his son among his people to find a wife, the other, just find a wife. And because Esau already had this temporal desire, he didn't just get a wife, he got two. And he got them from a foreign people who don't love God. Verse 35, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Esau and his wives made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. It's interesting to me how as parents, sometimes we're blind to our own sin. That's true for all of us, not just parents, right? We can see the sins that other people commit. We can clearly call it out. Look what he did. I can't believe he did that. I would never do that. Uh, we don't see our sins. When we see their sins, man, it's major stuff. That guy ought to repent. I can't believe he did that. And man, he ought to just come before God. He's got a lot of work to do to get back on the right place. When we commit sins just as bad, it was just a, a little mistake. It wasn't a big deal. It's just a boo-boo. God winks at it. It's not a big Are you kidding? We don't see in ourselves what we see in others. This is a big deal. Isaac and Rebekah raised their son to be the way he is because they were like that. And he saw it and learned it from them. He started out strong by praying before God, Isaac did, but as a parent, he showed no spiritual leadership in his home. We need fathers. I'm speaking to the men first. And the reason for it, because you're the one called to be the spiritual leader or head of your home. Now, it's just as important that the wife also follow God, right? And you too have responsibility from God for raising those children. So it's on both of you. But it starts with a spiritual leader. And we need fathers today who will take an interest in the decisions their children are making. Lay down the remote, get off the recliner, and get with your child. And spend time and come to know what their concerns are, what their issues are. They're not going to open up to you if they don't have a relationship with you. And if they can have a relationship with you, it's more likely that at some point they're going to get honest with you. And then you're going to be able to be a spiritual father and pray with them over the matters that they're concerned about. It starts with our energy and our focus on them, not on the things we like, like Isaac. We need God's grace too, by the way. Again, I just want to keep coming back to that. Because this message could easily come across as if I'm just climbing your case because you're not doing it right. Some of you are doing a phenomenal job. You are putting things before the Lord. A lot of you are doing it, not all the time, but you're trying to do it. Good. Some of you haven't tried. This is new to you, okay? It doesn't matter which situation you're in. The reality is you need God's grace. God loves you. He's gracious to you. When you've made mistakes in the past, God's grace is so deep, so rich, that he can cover your, your, your weaknesses, your sins, your mistakes. That's wonderful. God, he's, 
He's always going to give you more opportunity to do what's right. Amen? So we need God's grace to remember that children were never designed by God to be the center of our universe in the home. They were designed by God to enter the home as a welcomed addition. That's the difference between kids who run the house and kids who understand the boundaries set by the parents in the house. And there is a difference. Yesterday I was talking with someone and they said they were speaking of their daughter and grandchildren and they said um, the kids run the house. They make all the decisions. The mother and father will say, what time do you want to go to bed? What do you want for dinner? Man, I never got to choose that. Now, my mom knew what I liked, and she made sure to provide that from time to time, but I didn't, you know, <laughs> what's for dinner, Mom? Well, tonight it's liver and onions. <laughs> and she'd say, oh, you want a double portion tonight? <laughs> we didn't get away with that. Sitting at the table, and she put those peas on my plate, and I'm, I'd give that, uh, and she'd go, you want more? You want more? See, there were boundaries. We, we learned to appreciate the food we had on the table, whatever the food was. Now, I know some kids have allergies and things, and you've got to be careful. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about letting kids rule the roost as opposed to parents ruling the roost. There's a difference, and you need God's grace to do it. Verse 35, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Okay, so that's, that. hey, there's parents here today who could probably say that our kids right now are making life bitter. And, and we probably all, everybody in the room, has contributed to how our children act in some way. But it's also interesting, you can raise your kids right, and you still have one that just chooses to go off and do their own thing. And you have no control over it. So I'm not blaming parents. I'm saying we all need God's grace. <laughs> uh, well, Pastor Greg, I have to work hard to make a living to provide for my family. And when I come home, I'm just too tired to deal with the kid issues. Uh, you need God's grace to see that parenting your children well is more important than your career. Can I remind you the proper biblical order first in your life should be God. So that means the greatest amount of your focus, your thoughts, are on Him. And your energy, much of your energy, is anything to do with the worship of God. Then secondly is your spouse, not your children. Ladies, I'm saying this with charity, with grace. Your kids should not be ahead of your husband. And husbands, your remote and your recliner should not be ahead of your wife. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's interesting. There wasn't a single guy when I talked about the ladies putting the husband in the proper order that men went, amen. Not even a... Amen, amen, amen. But then as soon as I said, 
talked about the guys, you know, now the ladies are like, <laughs> we all have issues. Let's, can, we, can we just agree on that? We're, hey, here, let's, say it, let's say it the way it really is. We all are a mess, and we need God's grace. Amen. Okay. Last point, we're going to get out of here. Healthy families never do wrong in order to do right. Genesis 27, verse 1, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his son, and, so, and said to him, my son, and he answered, here I am. And he said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of, the, of my death. Now take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for, my, for me delicious food such as I love. And bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may be blessed, so that, I, so that, my, soul, uh, that my soul may bless you before I die. Does that sound like his own son? Get me a meal. I'm about to die, and I, I got a faith. I love barbecue. You know that, and I need you to go out and get make some barbecue for me. Okay. Verse five. Now Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son. So when Esau went to the field for hunting uh, to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca said to her own son, "I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for the de delicious meal that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord." Uh, before I die. Now, therefore, my son, speaking to Jacob, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two goats, good young goats, so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. Look at the manipulation. I mean, the cunningness of the parents. And using the kids to pull it off. Now, these aren't little boys anymore. These guys are young men. They know better. What should Jacob have said to his mother? Mom, I love you, but you're way over the top with this. I won't do that. If, God, if, if my dad wants to bless my brother, I'm going to leave that in the Lord's hands. God's will will be done in the end. But Jacob said to his mom, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to, him, uh, seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. Verse 14, So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. That tells you just how hairy Esau was. The boy had a hairy neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. Now, understand what she, she, listen, God had told her before they were born, <coughs> the younger will rule over the older. So she's not wrong in understanding what God's plan was. She is wrong in how she's going about that plan. You don't do wrong to do right. Right.
1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Jacob is at temptation corner, and his mom is the one who is enticing him to lie, to manipulate his father. But don't for a second think Jacob doesn't have a role to play in this. He's going along. He's at temptation corner. The scripture says that God will provide a way of escape. Jacob had at least five paths or ramps to exit away from what his mom is wanting him to do. He ignored all of them. Watch this. God provides these exit ramps. Number one, first chance to, to, to walk away. So he went, verse 18, into his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are, who are you, my son? He's confused by the voice. It is Jacob, dad. Esau will be coming soon with your meal while he takes the costume, the goat costume off. That's what he should have done. That's not what he did. That was his first opportunity. Instead, verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. Okay, now there's a second chance. Verse 20, but Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? It takes time to cook good barbecue. Oh, dad, it's Jacob. I had a foolish idea and brought you a meal prepared by mom. I'm very sorry. That was his way of escape. Not what he did, though. He answered, because the Lord, look now, look at this. The Lord, your God, granted me success. That tells you where Jacob is with the Lord in his relationship. Third chance, verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Well, Dad, let me help you with that. I'm not Esau. I'm Jacob. And this whole thing is a big mess. I ask your forgiveness. He didn't do that. See, listen, with God, it's never too late to make things right. You can start today. If you know that you have put yourself and your ambitions and your desires ahead of your children, today you can change that. God gives you the opportunity to change. Much like Joshua when he said, "Do serve who you're going to serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was a choice he made. You can make a choice. The fourth chance, look at verse 22. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. Another chance to come clean. He didn't. So verse 23, latter part of the verse, so Isaac blessed Jacob. Now there's another chance. Verse 24, and he said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered him, I am. Verse 36, Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me, Father? 
And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you. Which, by the way, was God's original plan. But I don't believe for a second this is the way God wanted it to play out. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. And now you know why the Arabs do not like the Jews. I'm just telling you, family dysfunction, what it will be, what it will do. This all happened because the parents chose to compromise over truth. Verse 42, and I'm, I'm done. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran. Get out of here. He wants to kill you. Now, you should go home and read the rest of the story of Jacob's life because Jacob comes to a point of wrestling with God over identity and who he is. And in that time, he comes to really surrender to God. And God changes his name, and that's why we have Israel today. But at this point, he's in full rebellion. And at this point, the parents played a part in it. They're not the whole, they, they don't take all the responsibility, but they take a portion of that responsibility for how they raised them. We need grace to raise our children. Amen? I want to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to have a song. And while they play this song, um, I want to just take just a, a, maybe a couple, three minutes of time and allow you to reflect today on this scripture. And here's the question that you want to ask yourself. Where am I in this story? What is the Lord, by the doctrine, by the teaching, the precept of God that's been taught today, what is the Lord showing me by the word of God today? See, I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to conform us even more today to the image of Jesus. Will you allow that? The only way it'll happen is if you take time to think about it and then surrender to what you know God's saying by his word. So if we can just play something softly, let's just take a moment. If you want to close your eyes so you're not distracted by anybody around you and just give reflection, time of reflection before the Lord. Afterwards, we'll pray.
as a church family. We want to put you first. We want to have healthy family and we want to teach our children the way you told the Jews in the Old Testament to teach their children. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Teach us, Lord. Teach us to put you first. Help us where we've fallen short of that. Thank you that you have given us your grace so we don't have to live under the guilt and shame of our past. You will give us by the Holy Spirit whatever is needed for us to look more like Jesus. And may that happen in our parenting. Teach us to love our spouse that our children will see what it looks like in a healthy marriage that mom and dad love each other nurture and care for each other meet each other's needs and then Lord teach us teach us how to point our children to you to show them by our example, what it means to love God and to love the things of God, to love his church, to love his people. That's what the church is, his people. Forgive us, Lord, when we have failed to teach them that. Forgive us for the times that we allowed the things of this world to take a higher precedent than the things of God. so thankful that you are teaching us the truth of your word but you're teaching us with grace in Jesus name amen amen thank you my friends for being part of this service today Wednesday night we'll meet and have a little Q&A time if any of you would like to come forward we have a prayer team and elders who are more than happy to pray with you about any matter uh, if you just would like someone to join you in prayer to come alongside you they'll be up front so that's always available god bless each of you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next sunday the lord willing amen and wednesday night the lord willing